You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. I am happy about this scripture. Psalm 26. Lord, have mercy. The reverend is happy about going to a scripture. I'm happy. Psalm 26 and 11 is where we're going to. Psalm 26 and 11. Ready? But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be merciful to me. Now this is a psalm of David. and, and um, You notice again, he, he speaks what he's going to do. He talks about it. And what he's going to do is, is walk in his integrity. But then he requests that the Lord does two things for him. First, redeem me. Second, be merciful to me. He wanted God to redeem him, and he wanted God to be merciful to him. That's what he wanted. But my subject is going to come from what he decreed he would do. As for me, I will walk in my integrity. And based upon the text and all that I have said, My subject this morning, walking in personal integrity. Walking in personal integrity. And we're going to give our God a big hand of praise before we go further. Again, Psalm 16 and 11, or 26 and 11, was written by David. And when you consider, biblically speaking, the life of David, David came from a low place to a great place. He came from a state where he was lacking. But when all was said and done, he didn't have any lack. When we first hear about David, it speaks of him taking care of his his father's sheep. So he was not really a shepherd. He did some of the duties of a shepherd, but his job was primarily doing what his his father told him to do in reference to his sheep. 
But then he went from taking care of his father's sheep to being a musician. And he started at a low place as a musician, but ended up playing for the king. And then he went from using his ability defending sheep from lions and so forth with God's help to becoming a great warrior who is known even to this day for defeating giants. Of course, the first giant that David defeated was Goliath. Every phase of his life is a clear picture of how God took him from the bottom to the top. That's what he did. Took him from the bottom to the top. And that's not just David's testimony. Some of us, we can get up here and, and say things that God has done and when all is said and done, it'll be a clear picture of how God took us from worse to better. Woo! I said he took us from worse to better. And sometimes he took us from the bottom to the top, even when enemies didn't want us to be elevated. Even when enemies were trying to stop us from receiving our blessings. I wonder how many in here, you, you lost jobs, but God still bless you. You went through things in your body, but God still bless you. You were tormented in your mind, but God still bless you. Ooh, if you don't mind, just, just take 10 seconds and just look at somebody and say, Preacher, talking about me. <laughs> if I'm really talking about you, tell one more person, Preacher, talking about me. <laughs> God took me from the bottom and he raised me up. You know the Bible is real. You know God is real. No matter how many folks say the Bible is not right, no matter how many folks say God does not exist, you know that he exists. You have the testimony that can't nobody but nobody do you like Jesus because of your experience in that he brought you from the bottom to the top, from worse to better, from small to bigger. And that was David's testimony. But, but no matter how God blesses you, how he moves for you, there never needs to be a time that you Forget him. Forget his mercy. Or you start looking at your situation and, and you allow what you think you should do to come before acknowledging God and asking him what to do. Because sometimes you can get to a point in life that God has brought you to that you become as old folks say y'all ready for this you done got too big for your britches I know that's country but I, I, I gotta say it one more time you just done got too big for your britches 
You done finish secondary school. You done, you done, you done got your little degrees, not just one. And you quick to tell somebody, you know, I have two. But you never need to get to the point you think you are more than who you are. You, you never get, need to get to the point to where you, you think that you can do this, that, and the other without God. I like what Jesus said, the most powerful man that has ever lived. Je- Jesus said, without him, we can do nothing. Letting the disciples know, don't ever get to the point to where you think you're bigger than God. Don't ever get to the point to where you start doing things on your own without being led by God. And mind you, you can get in that place. And some of us have been there to where we made decisions Based upon our mental capacity. Based upon what we felt we needed to do. When that God said do it, you did it because you felt like it was the thing to do. You got to keep yourself humble. Got to stay under the mighty hand of God and let him lead you. Solomon when, when, when he had more money than anybody on earth pen in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 in part in all your ways acknowledge him. Don't lean to your own understanding. Even though he was very wealthy he still understood the significance and the necessity of putting God first. Jesus, in Matthew 6 and 33, said to his disciples, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't ever get to the point to where you put what to put on before God. What to eat before God. What to drink before. Seek him first. And he'll make sure everything else is taken care of. You have to always keep God first. No matter how wealthy you become. No matter how much knowledge you gain. Keep God first. And even though David at the time of the text. Had many accomplishments. People would. Seek him. Seek his help. For this, that, and the other. David still maintained his humility. In that he put God first. And let God know that he needed his help. He let him know. By asking him to do two things for him. And he is successful. But he still asked God according to Psalm 26 and 11. First thing, redeem me. Save me, God. Save me, Lord. Get me out of the place that I'm in. Seemingly he he had got in a bad or low place. And needed redemption. Needed to be 
brought out of that position. How many of you have been saved 15 years, but you still need God to redeem you? Still need God to help you. Still need God to do for you what you are not capable of doing for yourself. Save me, Lord. Redeem me. This is what I need you to do. I need you to bring me out of this place that I'm in. And I, and I don't care how high you get. That, there will always be a place to where you're going to need God's help. You're going to need his redemption. Because the thing as a Christian that, that we know his blood is what redeemed us and his blood is what is yet redeeming us. What can wash us? What can make us whiter than snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How do you apply? By going to him and asking him to help you. To bring you out of the place that you have gotten yourself in. Woo, ask your neighbor, have you ever messed up yourself? Ask him one more time, have you ever messed up yourself? If it be true, look at somebody and say, more than one time. Look at another person and say, more than five times. Look at another person and say, I don't have fingers nor toes to tell you how many times I done messed up myself. But every time he helped you out, every time he redeemed you, every time... He changed your situation for the better. Every single time he changed your situation for the better. And so he wanted, he wanted the Lord to redeem him. To redeem him. And the Lord is able to, to redeem us to the point to where he will put us in a better state. Look at how he redeemed you from sin. Look at the state that he put you in. Your own family didn't think you would amount to too much. Even now, family members look at, look at us and, and remember how far the Lord has brought us. Look at us and know that the only way you came out of what you were in is with God's help. Don't even read the Bible, but they know God is real because of your story. Because of your life. Don't know nothing about Genesis, first book in the Bible. Don't know nothing about Revelation, last book in the Bible. But they know about God simply because when they look at your life, they know that redemption happened to you. God had to bring you out. We are living testimony of redemption. Shout at somebody, God redeem me. Shout at one more person, God redeem me. Woo. Did he redeem you? And he redeemed you even when the enemy tried to stop his blessings from coming forth in your life. Even when professionals said you wouldn't make it, you wouldn't have this, that, and the other. 
God's redemption proved them wrong. He redeemed you. But then his second request, he wanted God's mercy. I need your mercy, God. Simple definition of mercy. Very simple. Help. Help. That's what mercy is. Help. Help and forgiveness. I need you to forgive me and help me. That's mercy. Lord, forgive me and help me. You, you've never been there where you needed mercy? Some of us every day, Lord, forgive me. And help me. Lord, I lied deliberately. Forgive me. And help me. Lord, I said something I didn't have no business saying. Lord, I thought something I didn't have no business thinking. Did something I didn't have no business doing. Forgive me and help me. Say, you know, that's what you call mercy. And even though you've been saved 30 plus years, you still need mercy. Because we'll mess up. Even though we have good intentions, we'll mess up. Now, there's one thing to lie just to lie, but, but we do that sometimes. Oh, see, y'all don't want to come clean right here. Some of us have lied and then walked away and, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let it go. You know you lied. You know you lied. The Holy Spirit will convict you of what? Sin. Will let you know you done lied. Oh, Lord, I did lie. Oh, Jesus. And then you have to come in with that mercy. Lord, forgive me. Help me not to do it again, Lord. That's what mercy is. Mercy is about God helping you. And mercy is a powerful thing when, when, when you understand mercy from David's standpoint. In Psalm 23 and 6, God, David talked about how mercy would follow him. Get this. All the days of his life. To follow in that particular verse means to, to stick to. To abide with. He knew as, as long as he had a repentant heart. That God's mercy would be with him forever. That's the reason that there are many psalms that David wrote to where he talked about his mercy endureth forever. Because David had experienced God's forgiveness and his help again and again and again. What, what is your name? You can, you can replace David with, and Larry has experience. You, you, I heard you say that, bro, Pop. Larry has experienced his mercy over and over again. I wish I could get a female so I won't be like I'm picking on brother, brother Larry. No, you was an MC today. We don't want to use you. Lola. Mother Lola, your husband said I can use your name. But whether it's Larry, Lola, or Gina May, Christine, Barbara, Samuel, all of us have experienced that his mercy continues over 
and over and over again. It sticks with us. Not when we plan. He's he not saying we just play and just ask for oh, No, 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 no. He don't want us to play with him. We have to be real when we ask God for his mercy. We have to be real. Because repentance itself, according to scripture, repentance comes forth because you have godly sorrow. You realize, I, I just didn't sin. I went against his, his will. He done taught me better. And so I'm asking him for mercy because I done did what he told me not to do. I done thought in ways that he told me not to think. I done said some things that he told me not to say. Participated in some things that he told me not to do. And again, that's the reason Paul said godless sorrow is what works or produces repentance. And so he wanted his, his redemption and his mercy. Save me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. And help me. That's what he wanted. Break it, breaking down what the two requests. Save me. Forgive me. Help. That's me sometimes. Is it you? Save me. Forgive me. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Man, sometimes you get to going through trial at the, and it get to working on your mind. You, oh, God, help me, Jesus. Who help me, Jesus. Pain hit your body. Help me, Jesus. Somebody get on your, oh, help me, dear Jesus. I save what David decreed he would do for last. But I want you to keep in mind his request to God. Redeem me and be merciful. Let's break it down one more time before I go further. Save me, forgive me, and help me. That's what he wanted God to do. But then he told God, as for me, I'm going to live a walk in my integrity. See, see when, you, you, when you want something from God, you should give God what he wants. I say, when you want something from God, you should in return give God what he, he wants. God wants us to be people of integrity. You don't have to act ugly just because somebody at the bank acted ugly. You don't have to get loud just because you're cousin got loud on you you don't have to have a nasty attitude just because your brother or sister in the church had such it should be personal 
for you to be a person of honor. A person that is respectful. A person that 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 does somebody to push your button to the point to where you start acting out of character. You gotta have personal integrity. You 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 gotta be to the point to where no matter what somebody says or does, you're not going to leave the place that God has ordained for you to be in. Say to your neighbor, you got to have some integrity. And from a Christian standpoint, integrity, a, a simple definition of integrity is just being a person of honor that lives a just life. You're a person of honor that lives a just life. You're you going to live according to the Bible, but you're also going to practice Right from wrong. You're going to have some morals about yourself. You, you're not going to say you're, you're Christian but exemplify laziness. No, you got too much honor to be that because Jesus was about the Father's business. Yeah, yeah you, you're a Christian but you're not going to not pay your bills. No, no, you got too much honor for that. You're going to give God his tithe, but you're also going to pay the gas company. God told me to give, so I'm going to miss the lights. No, that, that, that's, that's like God ain't got no integrity. God ain't going to tell you to give him his tithes. And you not take care of your lights. Is something going on with y'all? Say to your neighbor, you got to have personal integrity. You got to have honor. And you got to live justly. You got to have money. It's just certain things that you're going to strive not to do. Certain things you're going to strive not to say. And I know, and I know there'll come times where you, you may cross the line, but there are some people, and I'm not saying they're in here, I'm just saying there are some people. I'm just getting that clear before I make my next statement. That always cross the line. Didn't you tell me you cursed out like three days ago? And you said you repented, but now you're coming back saying you done cursed out again? Baby girl, you ain't got no integrity. If you recognize that you cursed her out and it was wrong and God dealt with you, no matter how many buttons she pushed, because you love your God, you shouldn't have cursed her out a second time. Certain folks, you just got to give them to God. Sometimes integrity is saying, God, I ain't going to say nothing. I'm going to walk away, but you deal with her. You have to be a person of integrity. You have to be. You have to be a person of integrity. And again, as a Christian, that means you have to be a person of honor that lives a just life. You have to be. You can't be Christian on Sunday and then you, you act like a fool on your job. See, some folk decide when they're going to be Christian. 
you know, it, it's times they're going to be Christian. Well, you know, it's going to be a whole lot of church folks there, so I got to put on my Christian face. You, you don't want to be like that. You want to be Christian all the time. Not, not just sometime. And, and in order to be Christian all the time, you got to have some integrity. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You okay? Okay. I'm going to go to a couple of scriptures as I get ready to close it. But let, let's go to the book of Job. Let's go to the book of Job. We want to consider... The second chapter of Job. Lord have mercy. Y'all acting like it's the, it's the uh, valley of death in here. For me. But I'm telling you, I got it down. Yea, though I walk. Through the shadow of the valley of death. I will feel no evil. But go with me to the book of uh, Job. Lord have mercy. Notice chapter 1. Verse 1. There was a man in the land of us whose name was? And that man was? And? And one that? And? Notice verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him around his household and all that he has on every side you have blessed the work of his hands and his possession have increased in the land verse 11 but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you woo to your face now look at what the Lord said to Satan in verse 12. Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. He went out from the presence of the Lord after the Lord told him that Job basically was a person of integrity. He's just, he's blameless, and he fears me. But Satan's, Satan basically calls God a liar or says that God is not omniscient. You don't know everything about Job. <laughs> no. Only reason is only reason he like he is is because of this, that, and the other. But if you allow this, that, and the other to happen, he'll cuss you out. He will curse you to your face. He'll come in your presence and curse you out. That was Satan's reply to what God said about his servant. Satan is known for trying to get God folk to step out of a place of integrity into a place of dishonor. 
I say he is known for trying to get God's folks to step out of a place of integrity into a place of dishonor. Let's notice what happens. No, just stay with me. Stay with me. In the process of time, Satan actually disrupted and destroyed things that were dear to Job. He disrupted his life and destroyed his children, destroyed other things in Job, just disrupted his life. Let's see if Job going to have some integrity. Now, now notice verse 20, Job 1 and 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked, and this is after all this unhappened, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. When I came, I didn't have nothing. When I leave, I ain't going to have nothing. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Who disrupted his life? Satan. But Job was so knowledgeable of God being the sovereign to where he knew God allowed it. And if God allows something, what we consider bad, and according to the text, it was bad to happen, it's still going to turn out for the good. But the thing, what I want you to understand is, is Job had some things happen to him that we probably... Don't know anybody that had such to happen to them. If we do, we may know just one person. At most, two. That had something similar. But all that he went through, nobody. But Job still maintained his integrity. I'm still going to thank God. I'm still going to talk God. And I'm still going to do God. I'm still going to be a person of honor. I'm still going to live a just life. How many, when you look at the story of Job, you, you can say without hesitation, I done been through the same thing or worse. Not nobody in here. Specifically the reason the Holy Spirit told me to go to Job. If Job could hold on to his integrity after going through all he went through, you should be able to hold on to your integrity. <laughs> Pastor, I cursed out because she took me there. You, ain't, she, you didn't have to get on that boat. You didn't have to let her take you down. You should have let her go by herself. Suppose, suppose you would have you cursed her out and died right after. You allowed that person to cause you to go to. You don't allow nobody to take you somewhere God ain't told you to go. Y'all all right? Yeah. Let's go a little further. Chapter 2. Job chapter 2. Y'all hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to close it, but I need you to see this. Again, there was a day, Job 2 and 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also. I, I like how uh, when, when you look at this, uh, you have a distinction. The sons of God came in and said, and Satan too. 
He was no son of God. Satan, what does it mean? In one sense, the accuser. You got folks that love God, but in the midst of folk who love God, you have Satan or the accused. Guess who he is the accuser of, though? The brethren. Not sinners. He's not the accuser of sinners. They already serve him. That's the reason the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He gonna accuse you. He gonna attack you because he already got your unsaved cousin. He been having your unsaved cousin for years. Going to the same little nasty strip club, getting a lap dance. So, so he been having him for years. He ain't even worried about him. He got him on lockdown. He gonna go to the same little nasty place. Get him a lap dance. That's going to take him straight to hell. I, but I'm going to get his. I'm just being plain with you. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses the brethren according to scripture day and night. And so he came with the sons of God, notice, in the presence of God. Look at this. Lord have mercy. Y'all still good? Verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you, con- oh, I need to back up. You know, Satan was doing what? Walking what? Satan is not omnipresent. A lot of folks think that Satan is omnipresent. No, he's not. Why does it seem like Satan is everywhere? Because of his legions of demons. Millions of demons that cover the earth. Even though we may bind and cast Satan out, Satan probably ain't been in a place of refuge once. But his demons have. And sometimes you can identify his demons at the church. Them demons is trying to get so-and-so and and brother so-and-so to fuss. Them demons that's trying to get so so and so to go against this, that, and the other. But all of it is about the same thing, trying to get us to step out of our integrity into dishonor. That's the whole thing about Satan and his demons. Trying to get us from being a person of honor to a person of dishonor. And when you step out, hurry up and step right back in. Because demons are good like Satan is good at his job. Satan has taught his demons, wait. I can't tell you how many times I, I have had to meet with leaders in the church. That are at odds over something this big or something real small. And I'd be like, this ain't nothing but the work of Satan. These are people of integrity, but Satan is so smart or his demons are so smart to where they will call something little to seem major that would separate two folk that need to be united. Elders need to be united. But a demon can separate elders and cause one to step from integrity to dishonor. Senior ministers need to be united. But the enemy can get the ill of one 
and cause her to step from honor into dishonor. That's his job. He loves to show up where the presence of God are. Same way in the text. He loves to show up where liberty is. And cause disruption. But we got to hold on to our integrity. Wait a minute. Hold, hold, watch this right here now. Y'all stay with me. Y'all stay with me. Y'all all right? Okay, I'm all right too. Doing pretty good. Notice this. Verse 3. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Now he done presented Job again. And, and Satan is a liar now. Because you know God, God had already told him that Job was a person of integrity. That, you know, he was blameless, upright, and so forth. And so now he presents Job to him again. Boy, this is so good. Y'all like this, y'all like this reading? Well, just hold on. Then the Lord said to Satan again, verse 3, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? He held on to his personal integrity. And still he holds fast to the integrity, although you, Satan, incited me against him to destroy him. Get this. Without cause. You want him to go down and, he, and, and there's no reason. He a person of integrity, but you still want him to go down. I don't know why they're against me. I try to treat every. Body, right? I just you, you. There's a demon, baby, and a demon will use whoever to get to you, and you have to understand that. A demon will use your child to get to you. Demon will use your child to keep you out the will of God. Now notice uh, verse 4, Satan's response. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has he would give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. Cause his health to go down. And he will surely. Curse you to your face. He done said two times. He lied the first time. Job didn't curse God. And now for the second time he said, you do this, he's going to curse you to your face. How many by now you see that Satan ain't nothing but a liar? But you also see that Satan will try something. And we'll go to God to get some permission to try something. Stay with me. Verse 6. And the Lord said to say, behold, he is in your hand. I'm going to give you the power to do what, you, what, you, what you're talking about. But then he said, but spare his life. Notice how God is still in control. You can touch him, but spare his life. But understand this. He allows Satan to just touch him in a way that felt like death. But God wouldn't allow him to die. Job went through something that, that physically he wanted to die. It was so horrendous. But God said he can't die. I'm going to allow you to go through it in your body. But it's not your time to die. Because what you're going to go through in your body is going to be a testimony for somebody else. I done left the text now. God allowing you to go through something horrendous in your body but it's not your appointment it's not your time to die God is going to allow it to happen and he's going to raise you up for his glory you're going through something financial right now it's not to destroy you financially it's God allowing you to go through it but he's going to raise you up and you're going to have more money than you can spend. 
He's going to raise you up to be a blessing to others. But he has to allow you to go through what you're going through right now. Just like Job, when it hits, you're not going to understand it because God didn't tell you. But in the end, when you see God's glory, you're going to recognize that he allowed the bad to happen in order to bring forth the good in your life. Oh Lord, let me get back to the text. I had to preach that for two minutes. But notice this. Verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful balls. Get this. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. From here, head to toe. And notice the most important thing about this was something that was painful. Something that didn't, that, that the pain didn't last just a, a day. The pain lingered. It went on and on and on. Pain so horrendous a, a, a man would, would, would build something with fire in it and then just sit in the fire. Is that painful? I would rather be burned than to feel the pain. From these boils, from my crown to the sole of my feet. You rather get in the fire? Is that painful? I ain't never had something that, that's so painful that, that'll cause me to build a fight. And allow fire to give me comfort. Fire is painful. He used something painful to give him comfort. And Job being a praying man, and he praying to God, but God, I allowed this. I allowed this to happen, so I can't go against my word. I can't step in. You got to go through that. And see, some of, some of what you're going through right now, the reason God ain't answering the way you want him to, he allowed it to make you. He can't take away what he allowed to make you. He can't take that away. The process has to be finished. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. Got to go further, but tell your neighbor, you got to hang in there. It's not meant for your destruction, but it's going to be a blessing to you. Shout in your fire. Turn in victory in your fire. Leap for joy in your Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, 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 I'm. Verse 8. And he took for himself a pot shirt with which he scraped himself while he sat in the midst of ashes or fire. Then, woo, then, 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 then. She had to see that the man was hurting. Then his wife. She had to see. You can't be in the midst of, of, of fire, ashes, scraping yourself with a piece of metal.
did she say, baby? You need some water? <laughs> baby, you want some cheese and eggs? Boy, you can't let your spouse mess you up. Y'all better hold on. Then his wife said to him, do you still? Notice who's been watching him, his wife. Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Hadn't you done been through enough? This needs to stop. Stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Pain from his crown, sole of his feet, pain in his feet. His ankles, knees, legs. Woo, private. Buttocks, stomach, chest, fingers, elbows, tongue, eyes, ears. Understand the text from his crown, sole of his feet. And she looking like, God ain't helping my husband. But my husband is still worshiping God. God ain't helping my husband. But my husband, in that fire, scraping himself, is still praying. Still telling God, thank And so in one sense, her, her, her question is rhetorical because she sees with her literal eyes. That Job is still worshiping. But she had to ask. Are you still holding on to your integrity? Okay. You asked that. Let him answer. No. But, but that's not enough. She got to put in her own two cents. Which is really not two cents worth. It's just it's nonsense. The words that come out of her mouth, you, you, ask, you have to ask the question, How, what kind of woman did Job marry? But understand this, when, when somebody see you going through something, they'll turn against your God. She had turned against his God, which was probably her God. I can't see Job, a just man, marrying somebody that wasn't just. But see, when you see certain things, if you don't have no integrity, you'll backslide. You'll talk about God. Stay with me. Do you still hold fast to your integrity? And then this is what she, want him, she wants him to do. Curse God and die. See, she recognized that where you are right now is death. Death on you. So won't you just go ahead before you die and tell him off. Tell God off before you die. The implication, she, she didn't expect him to recover. She expected death to happen. Implication also, she seemingly wanted him to die. All them boys on you. God have mercy. 
I'm done with you. Go on and curse God and, and die. But, but notice his response. I'm closing with this. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. See, he, see, something unchanged about her. Because now he, he's listening to her. He said, you sound like a foolish, a foolish woman. So probably one time she was a hallelujah woman. But then he breaks it down to the point to where she should understand why he is holding on to his integrity. And I want us to really take this in. He says to her, shall we indeed accept good from God? And we do. You know, right now we just, bless me, oh Lord. Woo, good measure, press down, shaking together, and running, running, running over. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? Now, notice, he didn't call it hardship. The way of a transgressor is, is hard. He called it adversity. One thing Joe recognized, I'm dealing with enemies. I'm dealing with enemies. I'm dealing with an attack of an enemy. See, if you just, you're going to discern that, hey, this is an enemy right here. He didn't know what had transpired between God and Satan, but because he was a just man, he discerned this is an adversary. This is an enemy giving me this adversity or, or trouble. Last thing we are told in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Get this. Why, why, why is it so plain about him not sinning with his lips? Because of what Satan said. If you do this, he will curse you to your face. But it never came. He never sinned, never cursed God with his lips. He kept speaking life because according to Proverbs 18 and 1, death and are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to stop right there. Let's get a lot of hand of praise.